On a regular basis, you'll hear people say, don't forget to put Justin in the walk-in before you go home. Don't forget to feed Justin today. He's a living entity in our kitchen. Welcome to our food journey, a podcast by Hormel Foods. On today's episode, MasterChef Ron DeSantis talks with Dominic Orsini, the executive chef of the Silver Oak Winery in Napa Valley. Dominic is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, and he's a level one sommelier. Dominic is obsessed with ways a chef can connect a meal and a glass of wine with a sense of place. He strives to produce culinary experiences that, as he puts it, make the angels sing. Please enjoy this conversation with Chef Dominic Orsini. Hello, I am Certified Master Chef Ron DeSantis, and we're here at the Culinary Institute of America, Greystone. Interesting, there are lots of swallows right outside the window building their nests. Um, And I am really excited because I'm here with Dominic Orsini, um, Executive Chef of Silver Oak. Dominic, welcome. (laughs) It's really good to be here. So it, just to start off, uh, you know, how did, how did you be, decide to become a chef? What happened? Uh, becoming a chef. Um, so growing up in uh, the suburbs of Philadelphia, um, uh, I spent many a summers working at restaurants here and there. I started at your fast food restaurant like a lot of uh, young Americans might. Um, but eventually I, uh, um, I had worked at some Italian restaurants doing dishwashing. And, and when it came to my junior year in high school, I was trying to think to myself, what am I going to do with my life? I don't really want to go to college. That's not my thing. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I've always cooked at restaurants. And so I went to my mom. I said, mom, would chefs make a good career? Is that a good career choice for me? And she was like, oh my God, yes. And you have to go to the Culinary Institute of America. And it was this, Sounds almost like this smart pre-thought mom. plan out for me. Yeah, it was, uh, 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 well, I immediately learned that uh, to get into the CIA, you have to have uh, at least like a year experience at a restaurant. This is back Back in 1992, so I immediately left the cheapo restaurants and got a job as a just a simple line cook at a little French bistro called the General Warren, and um, you know, cut myself, burned myself, <laughs> worked long hours, and said to myself, "I love it." And uh, off to culinary school I went. Go back to your your influences that that or memories that yeah, you have yeah. of food that influenced you today. Some of my earliest memories of food was uh, at my grandparents' house. Um, my uh, my Pennsylvania Dutch grandmother was uh, married to an Italian-American, my grandfather, and she spent a lot of her life proving to her sister-in-laws that she could cook as good as they could. And uh, so they had their own gardens at the house. And uh, uh, some of my earliest childhood memories were, um, you know, working in the gardens with them, uh, harvesting tomatoes, harvesting zucchini, corn, watermelon. I mean, you name it, they were growing everything. And it was that phase of my life uh, that I was introduced to fruits and vegetables fresh. And it was kind of funny, um, as you get older, you know, people move away and and things move on. And uh, there was a period that I forgot about it. Uh, There really was. Uh, And I went off to culinary school. And while I was at culinary school, I started remembering all these childhood memories of of these fresh vegetables and things that were there. Uh, And it just came flooding back to me over the years. and, And it's made me committed to wanting to cook from gardens in my own gardens. So, so you did that, and um, you, you, you went to culinary school. Uh, so after that, uh, where, where did you tell us a little bit about where your journey took you? 
Um, well, while I was at culinary school, uh, there's a wine class that the, that the school teaches all the students. And so uh, while there, I learned about Napa Valley and Sonoma County and the, the um, and how it was on the international stage of wine. And at, at the time I was 20 years old, I didn't really know a lot about wine. Uh, my, my family, you know, did drink some wine, but we were those everyday kind of cheap, you know, like you're talking about jug wine drinking family, um, and just learning about how uh, Napa was on this international stage of wine made me say to myself, I bet that would be a good place for a chef's career to be. So and you've been out here since like 95? Yeah, 96 oh. actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Right. I first, I first, I started in Healdsburg, and I worked for a small brewery. Um, so I ended up meeting a gentleman called Guy Fietti, and this was way before his Food Network days, and uh, I opened some restaurants with him from 96 to 92, worked with him till 2000, and then uh, uh, and in, in over in Santa Rosa, and then in 2000, I'm like, I want to get back into fine dining and, and focus on wine, so my journeys brought me over here to Napa Valley. Oh, uh, okay. Ironically, I ended up getting a job here at the CIA, um, uh, yeah, in the restaurant, the Sp- Wine Spectator Grey Zone, in 2001, and uh, that's, that was my falling in love with Napa again. So here, here you are, your executive chef of uh, Silver Oaks and uh, one of the most beautiful wineries. Uh, you know, it's gorgeous. I, I, really beautiful there. Um, Legendary as well. Yeah. And, and where do you draw your inspiration? Um, inspiration. So, you know, inspiration for me is I, I like to I like to stay contemporary with cuisine. So I'm definitely getting inspired by you know what customers are seeing what we're seeing in, in restaurants a little bit more modernly. Um, but my inspiration truly comes from the seasons. Um, I like to cook with uh, what's available um, uh, exclusively from our gardens if possible. So at the winery, um, we have uh, we have about five of our wines that we do four and five course meals with. And so uh, uh, my inspiration mainly comes what's available from the gardens, um, uh, what's in season, what what's here, and then also the mood of our guests. You know, what's the weather like outside? Is it a warm day or is it a cold and chilly day? Um, taking those considerations first, uh, uh, and then from there, the wine actually comes last in that process. I, I cook what I want to cook, and then I figure out how to season my food to balance it to the wine. And the wine kind of, uh, you know, comes later. Crazy, crazy question. Do you, you, can you take some grapes, go out and cut a cluster of grapes and <laughs> do something with them in the food? Or no. is it something you wouldn't do, couldn't do, or is it just too crazy? Well, um, uh, yes and no. Um, so, <laughs> so when I started at the winery in uh, uh, 2008, there was this vineyard sitting on the property. It was this 20-year-old Cabernet vineyard. And I had heard that at the end of that harvest, they were going to rip the vineyard out and replant. And as I was, I just started this winery and I, and I was thinking of the history that this brand had. And I felt as though like, you know, our winemaker, our founding winemaker walked these vineyards once and I, I want to preserve it. So at harvest, I ran out there and harvested a couple bunches of grapes and I put them into a mixture of flour and water. And what happened was the wild yeast on the skins of the grapes started to uh, eat the sugars and the juice of the grapes. I started eating the sugars in the flour and then I continued to feed it some more flour and water over a few day period. And it turned into what you're probably very familiar with was a, a bread levon or a wild yeast starter. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually we pulled out the grape stems and skins. And after several feedings, it went from that red color to, to a more of a kind of a, a 
a bread dough color, if you will. Uh, but it's this wild yeast uh, starter that we preserve and maintain, and we use that to bake our breads. To uh, this day? To this day. It's, oh, that's It's nine awesome. years old now. Um, this It actually, it will be 10 years old in September, uh, or actually October to be exact. Um, yeah, so, and we, we named the starter after our founding winemaker, Justin. Uh, Justin Meyer was the founding winemaker. And so we will, um, on a regular basis, you'll hear people say, don't forget to put Justin in the walk-in before you go home. Don't forget to feed Justin today. It's, he's a living entity in our kitchen. And uh, this this bread starter is just something that we, we love and care for um, on, a, on a regular basis. So with it, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take it out and uh, in the morning and we'll, we'll feed it once a week and we're able to maintain it in the refrigerator. And then when we want to bake bread, we just take a little bit out, mix it with some flour and water. It sits out for about eight hours. After that eight hours, we then make the bread and then we let that bread ferment in our cellar overnight. And then the next day we bake the bread. And uh, so that's that's one of the few ways I've, I've, I've figured out how to use the grapes on the property. You know, it's much better. The, the grapes are great to leave for the winemaking, but uh, there's also some fun things you can do with them as well. That is a great story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is really, really yeah. a great story. So, you know, here here comes uh, harvest time and grapes are coming in. Do you ever, do you have any opportunity to get kind of involved with I don't know, squeezing, crushing, <laughs> going in. I don't know, whatever, no, whatever I happens you. on there. I hear you. Yeah, I'm in there with my feet, just crushing the grapes <laughs> all the time. You know, it's, it's there's that toe jam. I'm, j- I'm joking, of course. Um, the, uh, you know, the winemaking, um, it is such an art to what they do and their abilities to bring in uh, these grapes from the vineyards within an hour um, and then crush it all and go through the process of sorting it, crushing it, uh, pulling the... Uh, the, the grapes from the stems fermenting, um, I let them handle that magic uh, because it's it's an amazing process. Um, and also, you know, that's a time of year when a lot of people want to visit the winery and they want to have lunches and dinners. So we usually stay pretty busy with the private events that we'll do. Um, you know, the winemaking team is great. Um, there's always there's always a little bit of byproduct from the winemaking process. You know, there's wine, there's wine that is used to top off barrels and to top off tanks. And sometimes it's a little bit more than they need. So they'll let me have that from time to time. Uh, we've done things like taking some lees and uh, we'll braise meats in some uh, Pinot Noir or some Cabernet lees. Uh, sometimes we'll take this top off wine and uh, I'll get to make my own vinegar. That, that's a touchy one. I got to get that on a, a completely away from the winery to do it. Um, but we'll put in a, um, a ferment and we'll make our own vinegar with that. Um, one of the fun things I started about seven years ago was a balsamic making project. And uh, we have about two rows of table grapes on the property. And um, long story short, I went through this process of taking those, all those grapes, juicing them, and you cook it down to like a syrup. So you take approximately like 40, 50 gallons of this grape juice, and I slowly cook it down to about 15 to 20 gallons. Now, at this point, it's like this thick syrup. Um, now, you have to ferment it. And so there's this special um, thing that you use called zygosaccharomyces, and it's a type of bacteria that ferments that concentrated sugar uh, into a, an essentially a wine. Uh, and then from that point, uh, you you go and mix with 
with a little bit of red wine vinegar. So you have this sweet wine and red wine vinegar, and then you put it into a barrel. And then it goes through an even longer process to slowly turn the whole thing into vinegar, but a sweet vinegar. We started that process about seven years ago. I started it with a, a large American oak barrel. Uh, each year I've taken that batch and, and barreled it down to a smaller barrel. I've gotten down now to a three-gallon barrel, um, and in that three-gallon barrel we've had three harvests from that barrel so far. Uh, we just harvested our balsamic um, about last week. And so um, I started getting some used bourbon barrels in as well to add some complexity to that. So we're making our own balsamic. Now, you know, to true balsamic, they say takes 25 years. It's something you're making for your grandchildren, really, I guess you could say. But uh, it's something we've started and something we have fun and some passion doing and making every year. That's exciting, you know, and and it, I I just as you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I I realized when you said I'm going to make some vinegar, but I got to do it, you know, away from the from the way. Imagine Very these important. huge vats yes. turning into vinegar. Yeah, like right. No way. It. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I learned that quite quickly with uh co- with with copied emails. Dominic, you will not bring that on the property. <laughs> you got it. I love it here. I'm not going to bring that on the property. So, so talk to us about the wine experience being tied to a sense of place. Establishing a sense of place is something that can uh, really go hand in hand with not only what we do uh, at the winery and making the wine, but what all of Napa wineries are trying to do. Um, the Napa Valley here is such a beautiful region, but it's a diverse region with with different soils from different areas. You have um, you have the soils in the hillsides uh, bringing in hillside fruit, uh, producing a, a very pure uh, fruit character to wine. Uh, then you have uh, uh, winers producing uh, wine from valley floor fruit, uh, a little bit more of a silky tan and kind of a bold characteristic you find in wine. Um, and so the wineries themselves are, are, are already uh, have identified a lot of those sense of place. And, and, and to do that in the food, I really wanted the bread star to be a part of that. But taking it a step further, um, our gardens. And so um, um, we have, uh, we grow our own tomatoes, We'll do our own San Marzano tomatoes and make and make our own tomato sauce. So um, uh, we'll have vintage tomato sauce. Usually I use it up within a year, but uh, I, I don't like to use previous vintage sauce. Uh, but uh, we'll jar our own tomatoes uh, in uh, September and October. So we have our own Oakville tomatoes to use for our pizzas. And we do a lot of wood oven pizzas and fun things like that. And, uh, you know, providing that unique sense of experience for our guests. Um, to me, that goes a long way with making the angels sing when you're doing a wine pairing. What does that mean? Making the angels sing? Yeah. Um, what that means, um, so as a chef and my job is to create cuisine that really highlights silver and Tumi wines, just really makes our wine sing. And no matter what flavors and seasonings I can add to food, I can create it and make the wine taste really good. But that situation in which angels are singing, um, those are those experiences many of us may have had, whether it's with a glass of wine, whether it's with a beer, whether it's with another beverage, or not even a beverage, but an experience. Um, those times in which you you that moment crystallizes in your mind, you recognize where you're at, what's happening, um, and it's a memory that stays with you forever. Uh, like when you read, you know, an example of a wine writer, we talk about the time they were off the coast of Brittany and having oysters and a glass of, um, you know, Muscat. And, and was it that oyster and that wine, or was it the fact that 
they're in France on this special vacation. They're a little intoxicated and all these things. So, so, so being able to provide some of those elements of romance in addition to, you know, really good cuisine and great wine and then hospitality altogether. And when all those things can dance well together, uh, that's what creates those times of angels singing in your mind. That's great. That's great. Um, is there, is, is there any kind of any dish that uh, simple dish that you cook at home? You know, not not in the professional vein. Well, I have two boys at home. I have a ten-year-old and a seven-year-old, and, uh, and and a busy working wife. So, uh, cooking at home tends to be a little bit of hurry up, get it on the table, get your homework done, get to bed. Um, but uh, um, with that said, um, we just remodeled the kitchen of my house last year. And uh, my old kitchen was horrible. And so I got to design this whole kitchen. I was so excited, and, and it's up and going now. And, and I was able to convert this kitchen at my house to a space like, wow, I really love cooking at home again. And, uh, and so th- this kitchen space I have now, I'm always doing something different. Um, um, you know, the president of Silver Oak always likes to say how, how uh, I've been cooking for him for 10 years and never once have I repeated a dish. I, I'll admit, I'm kind of guilty of that. I, I, I'm always doing something fun, something different. Um, and, and I'm always tr- taking new inspiration to, to get something cooking. To nail it down to one, that, that's, that's too hard for me. <laughs> and, you know, from from chef to chef, I understand. Yeah. Believe me, I understand yeah. 100%. I was just telling somebody, I keep getting asked, so what are your, what's your favorite thing to cook? And I, I, I always think, I should, like, just make something up because <laughs> right. everybody Sounds asks like- that question. And I was like, my answer is, it depends. Right. right. Depends on uh-huh. who's coming, what time of the day yep. is, who's around. But exactly. I mean, there's all these variables that could come into play. Well, my wife wife will tell you her favorite meal by me is refrigerator surprise. The, <laughs> the, 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 she's home and she's like, there's nothing for dinner. What are we going to do? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Honey, we got this, 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 this. And I, I've, I've come up with dishes where I'm like, I'm going to put that on my menu. That was really awesome. And so it's, yeah, some of my best creations have come from that. Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, a common question I get is a chef, what do you cook now? Uh, when I cook at home, I source ingredients that I know are pure um, and, and, and wholesome and, and quality ingredients, and, and not just uh, the basics. Um, I, will, I will buy some pre-made frozen things that they're a convenience for me, and I love them. One is, is the frozen jasmine rice. You look at the ingredients, what is it? Jasmine rice. That's it. And it's IQF. And I can pull it out, I can microwave it, and it's on the table within a couple of minutes. I love it. Um, another one, uh, this is a recent one, um, and, and, and ironically, this is not a plug, um, it's the Hormel bacon bits. They're, they're sealed in a, in a packet, I love them, they're pre-cooked, I can open them up, I can just toss them into a vegetable saute, and I got bacon flavor, and it's excellent. Things like that. I, I need, as, as, as a busy, as a busy person trying to feed my, my family healthy, I want ingredients that, that one, I recognize everything that's there. Um, I understand the convenience is there, and I'm not worried about what am I feeding my family. And so that's one of the biggest things that I focus on. Yeah, th- those are, you know, those kinds of tips are just so valuable for, for people in your position and my mm-hmm. position, uh, you know, because people can look at, people can look at, 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 you know, chefs like you and me and it's like, well, you know, you know, they do this and, and, and yes, 
professionally, we, we are, but you're right. There are a number of very good quality, you know, quote, convenience products yeah. um, that can that can help us out, that can streamline things mm-hmm. for us. And if they're there, why not? I, 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 here's and, and this is important for me. Uh, whenever I look at a packaged food, I am I am on the back and I'm reading that ingredient list, the fine print. I want to know what's in there. Chef, thank you very, yeah. very much for being here. Thank a you, Ron. Great conversation. Um, everybody, thanks for listening to our food journey uh, here with uh, Executive Chef Dominic Orsini. To learn more, hormelfoods.com. Until next time. <laughs>